Okay, another episode of the Discernible Interviews. We have with us the Statistician to the Stars, which I'm very keen to understand what that title means. William Matt Briggs. So I'm going to call you Matt, I guess, during this podcast. Thank you for joining us here. Thank you for having me. Let's start with, uh, I mean, I want to talk about COVID. I want to talk about, you know, your whole knowledge as a statistician. But what does Statistician to the Stars mean? Oh, I mean, uh, everybody listens to celebrities, right? Celebrities are our best authorities on every subject. This is uh, indisputable. Therefore, I decided uh, in order to convince public of things, I would become a celebrity myself. Hence, uh, Statistician to the Stars. Okay. So do you uh, actually provide stats to the stars how does do you uh tom cruise never checks his wp value without contacting me okay so when we say statistician are we can we can i talk to you about COVID and that kind of stuff or absolutely okay what is going on mr briggs because we are seeing just this big Effery. Everyone is just playing with the numbers, and I'd love to have an expert analysis on what's real, what's not. We're measuring cases instead of morbid outcomes and deaths. People are saying we're misinterpreting the results. COVID is huge or COVID is nothing. Where does the truth lie? The truth lies uh, closer to... It's not nothing. Certainly not nothing. No, 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 no. Uh, the, the overblown uh, media hyperventilating panic and the lockdowns, the, the draconian tyrannical treatment by governments all that is absolutely unbased on not based on any evidence whatsoever in fact it goes against all evidence even by recommendations by the world health organization by every bit of research that had been done prior to 2020 i say it all the time that 2020 is the year that experts pretended to forget everything they know about viruses because this year you see just the most alarming nonsense popping up everywhere and from people who know better people who absolutely know better but this thing has become so politicized everywhere and a wonderful excuse for governments to exercise their powers uh and create panic and then provide the the so-called solution Mm. to alleviate the panic it's we've gone absolutely nuts i mean that's the that's the general gist the the bug is real we get these pandemics every 10 to 20 years they're you know they're extraordinarily regular. They kill a lot of people. It's unfortunate. Uh, you know, that's just the way life is. We can't do anything about that, really. Uh, not not, not uh, to the level that politicians are suggesting we can. Yeah. Uh, so we, you know, it, this one is not even that bad in comparison to past pandemics. The, the Hong Kong flu of 67 to 68, that killed about about a million people worldwide. Uh, it's about the same level as the Corona doom now. But that don't forget, this was at a time the population was a lot less. So it was actually uh, a deadlier virus. And then 50, uh, 10 years before that was the Asian flu. That killed 2 million people when right. we had about a third the population we have now. And there was never before, never before in the history of the world a panic like this, except perhaps if you want to consider the Black Death, which wiped out Oh, estimates are all over the place, but maybe a quarter of the entire population of the earth. We're nowhere near that level of thing, but uh, we're just, it's just a tiny, look, we get to, uh, every year, flu kills, the WHO estimates, about 650,000 people. Uh, in, in America, where I do most of the statistics, every single year, it, flu and pneumonia, it's usually the pneumonia that kills you after you get the flu, mm. 
kills about 200,000 people every year. And now and the CDC, the latest, the CDC estimates, latest estimates are around 230,000. The media uh, always has their sources that always report uh, higher by about 10%. You can never trust anything you get out of the corporate media. The so official numbers are lower. Yeah, okay. But even with those numbers, your uh, current death rate from COVID is roughly the same as the flu. What about flu deaths? Have they gone anywhere this year? No, that, that's a, this is a very good question. This is an excellent question. The CDC up until uh, in America, uh, up until about uh, what's week 38, sometime in uh, July, uh, counted flu and pneumonia deaths separately. They've been counting flu and pneumonia deaths week by week forever. Uh, then they stopped. This mysteriously stopped and they took it out of their data uh, and now they report uh, deaths involving this is their word deaths involving covid and then separately report deaths involving covid or flu or pneumonia it's become very difficult to tell the difference between these and we know this for a fact it's not an opinion and i'll tell you how because uh, the the cdc and the who both maintain a tracking network a flu tracking network yeah. So there's lots of strains of the flu. There's about eight strains we, or eight strains that they track routinely. And they do testing for them. And these labs, there's different kinds of labs, but these labs do these tests. They hand them into the CDC, and they look at the distribution of the type of strains that are out in the population. Uh, and the WHO does this. They collect this data globally from all the countries that participate in this kind of a thing. Round about the start of summer, uh, in the summer in the, in the northern hemisphere anyway, uh, these reports went down to nothing. They're near zero. They, it, it can't be that flu has been cured by, by uh, the corona doom. That's impossible. So what's what happened? Lockdowns? Uh, Could lockdowns have stopped the transmission of no, flu? No, absolutely not. Lockdowns only help spread the flu. And I'll tell you, I'll, I'll, I'll come to that. Ask me about that again in a second. Yeah. Uh, but since then, the number of flu tests coming back are, are minuscule still. And we're right now in the, in the beginning, and we should see a very good ramp up of uh, flu and pneumonia deaths, which we see every single year, every week in America, between five and 12% of all deaths are flu and pneumonia every week. And with peak, we, this is the answer to your second question now, they peak in the winter time to around, in, in the Northern hemisphere winter time, uh, around 12%. Now, why do they peak? Why does flu and pneumonia peak every winter and then go down in the summer it's and cold. bottom out? I'll ask you. It's oh, cold. It's not cold. The cold. The cold doesn't do anything, but the cold forces people inside. We all and enter these voluntary yeah. uh, semi-lockdowns, just like the lockdowns we have now instituted by our government as the solution to stop the spread of the virus. It's causing the spread of the virus. This is why we get all of these illnesses raging as they say, through the population every single winter. We're all in close quarters with one another. It, locking down the healthy, quarantining the healthy is asinine. The WHO in 2019, uh, just coincidentally, whether you believe in coincidences or not, published a major study. Of, it was basically a, uh, a meta-analysis of all the studies that have been done. What should you do during a pandemic? Because they understand we get these things routinely. They just come along. Every, every 15 to 20 years. And they said, here's one thing you should not do, lockdown, don't quarantine the healthy. Okay. And so what's the first thing that uh, your government did, Victorian government anyway, and what's the first thing that uh, many of the uh, states in the United States did? Lockdown. 
And worse than that, yep. the mayor of New York dumped all the sick people. They said, you know what? Our hospitals are going to be overwhelmed, the models tell us. So they dumped all these COVID patients into the nursing homes, thinking this is a good place to let them hang out so the hospitals don't get uh, besieged. Yep. Ended up killing maybe 10,000 people. people because the old people are the ones who are at risk. The young are at almost no risk at all. Have you heard so of the... That's the way it is. Yeah, have you heard of the South Australian lockdowns, which is a state next to Victoria where we had the world's, you know, the crazy one, the curfews and all that. South Australia just discovered 36 cases a few days ago. So they locked down the entire thing. Bakeries closed. Takeaway shops Let's not closed. call them cases. Let's, let's, let's not call them cases, everybody. Uh, and, and this is one th thing that the media is doing. And doctors are even repeating uh, the ones aligned with the politicians who should know better, who should absolutely know better. Before 2020, uh, in medical statistics, we tracked, and, and physicians also tracked, three different kinds of fatality rates. We have a population fatality rate. This is the, the number of people who die from a particular malady divided by the number of people in the population. Makes sense. Yep. It was the infection fatality rate. These are people uh, of those who got infected, the number who died. And then it was the case fatality rate. A case up until 2020 was a, someone who was sick enough to require treatment, like a hospitalization uh, or some other sort of official form of treatment. Cases are worse than infections, oh. all right? But, and, and what we're revealing in these hypersensitive tests, these PCR tests, which is most of the tests that are being done, is infections. And right. there's such a high false positive rate with these tests that a lot of these infections are false positives. You yeah. could do the math, it's very simple. Uh, we've done it many times. A lot of these things that are just not real. And the num what we're seeing now is because we're entering the standard in America anyway, the, the standard cold and flu season, as we always used to call it, uh, is people are getting more and more tests. We're, we're at record test levels. Test levels now in the States have no bearing whatsoever on the actual illnesses. Uh, you could prove this. You just plot the data from the CV CDC. You look at the number of people who are actually dying and you look at the tests we're doing. It's completely out of whack. We're at like 1.7 million tests a day, a day. A lot of these wow. are repeats. A lot of people have to get multiple tests for, for whatever uh, work-related reasons or something like this. These are people in the hospital getting multiple tests. This test is turning up uh, previous illnesses. It's turning up mild illnesses. It's turning up asymptomatic Ill, uh, infections. And it's, uh, it's picking up false infections. And all of these are being added to the total of surging and raging cases. And we've completely lost our mind. Meanwhile, you look at the data itself, the, the, the actual weekly all-cause deaths. This is the only number we can trust anymore because we, can't, we don't really know who's dying from what anymore. But you can look at the all-cause deaths. We're exactly where we expected to be at this time of year, maybe even a little below. Because the virus, the, 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 the coronavirus was real. It did indeed kill people. It was a unique uh, variation on all sorts of coronaviruses, which caused usually the common cold, and did kill a lot of people. Unquestionably, it did. But, uh, you know, it got the most vulnerable early on, as these things always do when they're new. And now we're sort of entering that. It's never going to go away. All right? That's mm -hmm. another thing. There seems to have been a zero-tolerance policy. Your, your, uh, your government uh, in the South Australia seemed to have adopted a zero-tolerance policy. No infections allowed, no deaths allowed. Now, 
this is impossible. This bug is never going to go away. We have had uh, the flu vaccine for about a half a century. Flu is still killing all those numbers I told you. Flu vaccine does not uh, stop the flu from spreading. This coronavirus vaccine, if and when it's uh, approved and out there, it's not going to stop it. It's never going to go away. We're never going to reach zero deaths, never going to reach zero infections, ever, ever. And so, so if we're waiting for this to, to unlock, the, I'm sorry to keep rambling, but I get so okay. livid about this stuff because yeah. this is all stuff that every virologist, every epidemiologist, every doctor knew before 2020. And somehow all this goes out the window uh, because of the intense politicization of the whole thing. Well, I'll ask you to go into the why that's happened later on. But first of all, population fatality rate, is that the same as all-cause death rate? And is that something we can trust, PFR? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The all-cause death rate, yes, I think we can trust that because that's hard to finagle those numbers. You just take the number of people who died in a week and divide by the population. There's your all-cause death rate. Okay, so then it is... Oh, sorry. You, you could also calculate that per disease, all right? right? So even accepting the numbers that were given, yep. you can calculate uh, the, the population uh, uh, fatality rates per disease, right? So right. COVID, for anybody less than 44 years old, uh, we, there was just a paper come out yesterday in Japan, and the same is true in the United States. People less than 44 years old uh, die much more often of suicide, a lot of it brought on by the government measures uh, than they do of COVID. You have, when you're, when you're below 14, I think it is, uh, you have like a 540 times greater chance of dying from something else than the, uh, than the COVID. The death rates don't really kick up uh, to be interesting until you're north of 65 and really north of 75 years old. Uh, then it's concerning. For, for the elderly people, it's definitely concerning. The highest death rate is obviously in those who are 80 years old and older, because these are the people, of course, who are not going to be with us much longer. God bless them. But it's, you know, we're all going to go someday. And that's just what's happening. But even then, even for the people 80 years old and older, the, they're still nine times more likely to die of something else besides COVID. And that number is decreasing. Uh, so, yes, we can trust population fatality rates uh, overall, and uh, we can estimate them by diseases. And if you do that, we just, this thing is just, it's, it's not, it's terrible and everything, but we, we have, we can't have this mindset that there could be no deaths, that we could prevent all deaths, because meanwhile, we're causing other deaths. So as simple as that. So is there, you've said that it's, you know, COVID's real, it's a, it's a novel virus, um, as most viruses do, it's wiped out, it's most deadly at the beginning, and then it peters out. Is it now a danger? Is it worse than the flu? Are the fatality rates higher than the flu? Or is it all just too conflated now? We, we can't measure this. It, it is conflated. Uh, that's, the, that's the problem. It is indeed conflated because we can't get separate flu numbers anymore. Uh, flu and pneumonia that because even in, when you get the COVID, uh, it's often the pneumonia that kills you. Yeah. Right. Okay. It's a respiratory disease. So the, it's the pneumonia taking you off. So what do you put on a death certificate? This has been a long, a lot. This is not a new problem of medicine. Yeah. You know, a lot of these people uh, have the CDC discovered about three serious comorbidities on average, meaning they have COPD, they have coronary artery disease, they have diabetes, they're uh, obese. So now, uh, and I mean, they might have dementia, Alzheimer's, anything like this. So now, and they find, and they do, 
have a test, a positive test for uh, COVID, and they die. Hmm. Now, what do you put on this death certificate? And, and they also had the money. Yeah, yeah. Well, now yeah. everybody's being compensated uh, for uh, having a uh, little higher COVID uh, compensation rate uh, to deal with this crisis. So, not that anybody's purposely doing it. I don't say that that's the case, but you know, when it gets to the records department, you don't know what's going on. The doctors don't do this, it's all the records department. It's not dishonest doctors or anything like that. I'm not saying that. But you know, it's all that, then it becomes the accountant's problem. You don't know what's happening with that stuff. So, well, the again, is all there, we can yeah. do to answer your question is to look at the all-cause deaths. Yes. And those now, and now we have, we, in order to know for sure, we're still going to have to wait because the CDC is always backlogged with their counts because it takes a while to compile these. But indications are that we're below where we normally would have been this year, at this time, this year. And, but, yeah, we're having a little bit more of a peak of uh, attributed coronavirus deaths. That's true. Uh, but the flu is gone seemingly so Magic. you know there's the there is this uh there is a conflation here we won't be able to tease all this out for years until you know serious studies are done but now everybody in this headlong rush is not taking their time to do these things okay so we are you're confirming for me the rumors are true that whilst we're seeing skyrocketing cases which you, you've educated me to actually infections we are not seeing deaths follow in fact they're the same or lower so is that why we've moved from measuring deaths or morbid outcomes to measuring cases or infections of course that's it but why that's it and you know why would they because they have to keep the panic going the, the, the people they got themselves into a panic mindset look you you've just ordered your entire population to be locked down now that's going to cost yeah. a lot of money it's going to yeah. cost a lot of lives. I don't mean, I'm not trying to make this sound like it's a thing about money because yeah. as uh, we, we wrote a book on this called The Price of Panic, me, Jay Richards, and Doug Axe. And Jay, uh, one of our co-authors, he, he's fond of saying, uh, you know, the economy is how you get your food. The economy is how you feed your family. So when we're killing the economy, we're killing people by doing this kind of stuff. This is absolutely unambiguous at this point. Right. So... I, I, you know, I, I, you get sort of exasperated trying to explain all this stuff because yeah. it's obvious. And I don't know, the politicians are, are loath to admit error. You, you never find a politician who's going to ever do that. And so the, the, pan, the public is so panicked by the media who just want to sell uh, ads. And so they, if, they, if they say, okay, deaths are low now, okay, well, there's no story. So, but they can push these cases amongst yeah. uh, amongst the, an enormous increase in testing, and the and the public eats it up. They panic. They they then are genuinely frightened, and they ask the government save us, do something. Now, what can you do? There's nothing you can do really, uh, except for uh, isolating the absolute most vulnerable people. Other than that, uh, there's not much else you can do. So they have to do something to to to, to quiet the public or clamoring for some kind of solution and they don't have the guts enough to say we can't do anything uh, most of them and uh and so there we go it, it's just one thing leading to another we can't break out of this cycle so are the statistics on our side and will that come out and win in the end they're on our side right now okay so why are we losing then okay you, you're saying that you know they're peddling the cycle of fear but they're 
you stop short of saying it's coordinated and i agree with you but there does seem to be everyone's following one another and following the same strategy around the world even people like boris johnson have done a flip and suddenly they've become statist type political animals uh how do we yeah yeah sorry yeah how, how do, what's going on how do we break out of this <sighs> coordinated i don't believe okay i'm not i'm not peddling a conspiracy here, but I'm saying uh, actions by the like-minded. Yeah. These yeah. people are all similar, similar personalities, similar government types, similar structures, the similar yeah. hyperventilating. When is the media not hyperventilating over something? They mm. just want your eyeballs. So mm. now this time we're buying it. I, I have, we have in the book, and some guy just reminded me of this today. I'm going to write another article about it. You just go, go and search hospitals overwhelmed or hospital surge going you go and your you or your listeners go and search right now search before 2020 and you'll find hundreds of headlines the media has always been doing this absolutely always surges overwhelmed oh my god we're having sick people put into tents because of the flu headline after headline after headline so they always try to do this only this year we bought it because of the initial panic coming out of China and the reaction mm. to that, it became quickly politicized. Mm. And uh, to compare and contrast two leaders, I'll compare Donald Trump with uh, Boris Johnson. Both gentlemen uh, got the disease. Trump yep. recovered quickly. Apparently, yep. from the reports, uh, Johnson suffered a little yep. bit through his uh, recovery, but he did get it. And that happens. To uh, Trump was emboldened, and uh, Johnson became frightened. And this happens to men in battle. Uh, you know, it depends on their experience. And now he's absolutely frightened. And so he's, he's done the opposite of what he said before. So it doesn't have to be, you know, it doesn't have to be a conspiracy to explain this. It's all mm -hmm. very uh, understandable. England's a good case because the, the rate, the number of dead they have, the weekly all-cause deaths, is under, I think it was the 2017-18 oh. flu year, which is very bad for them. The, the, the per capita deaths are, are even lower this year than they were that year. But this year is the year of panic. That year was not. So what is the appropriate response for the population from a from a, a, a unemotional statistical point of view? Should we be scared of COVID and how how scared should we? Should we just be scared of it like the flu? Same, similar sort of feeling? Exactly. Exactly. Not, not quite. We should even be feel better about it because the flu, if you look at the population or even infection fatality rate, has kind of like a U shape. The very young and the very old are most yep. susceptible to the flu and flu right. and pneumonia deaths. These are the people it kills. The corona doom is only killing the old. The Not number the of young. people yeah. under 14 who, who have died from this have been ill anyway, and are, it's minuscule. Okay. Uh, the, m many, many more are dying from the flu or, or used to when we track those numbers. Yep. So no, we should treat this as we do the flu. Uh, you know, caution, all that kind of stuff that we normally do for the flu. If there's a vaccine that comes out, uh, you're hearing a lot of uh, initial reports of uh, 90, 95% yeah. uh, efficacy. Uh, I don't buy that. Uh, that Those are press release numbers. I've seen a lot of medical statistics over the years. They always start out real high like that, and then they yeah. kind of right. regress down to their mean. My guess is like the flu vaccine is around 50% uh, efficient. Yes. Yeah. that this vaccine will probably be around that too. That's just my guess. I could be wildly wrong and I hope I am. Sure. But sure. that's, uh, that's, but so we've, we can like, I, we, I cannot emphasize strongly enough the zero tolerance policy that the governments have 
developed is uh, is asinine. It's insane. It will never ever be able to come out of our our uh, our panic, our lockdowns, anything. If that's the if that's going to be the policy. Well, could you uh, explain what's going on here in Australia and New Zealand? Because I believed what you're saying until they supposedly squashed COVID in New Zealand and Australia and it's gone. We have zero infection rates for the last whatever number of days. What is going on here? Uh, probably testing, uh, probably lack of testing. I don't think people are testing as we are in uh, the States. We had, we had this program called Operation Warp Speed, which yeah warped up all of these testing facilities testing is everywhere you go to drive in america you can drive through a, a cvs uh, which is a, a pharmaceutical drugstore can't even yeah. speak english anymore and they have it you can just get a test boom as you're driving through these places they're everywhere so that that's what it is look look at look at taiwan yeah look at taiwan they have 30 million people about and uh, they also don't have maybe uh, once a week or something like this or once every other week you hear of a new case infection being reported they have eight deaths so far but they're not testing they're just not testing like mad uh, but i guess i've heard on the news they're going to begin testing all incoming travelers so that that rate will soon increase because of the testing look at japan Look at Japan. Japan uh, has done wonderfully well, and they haven't yeah. had any lockdowns. They have the probably, and they have uh, 160, 170 million people in Japan, yeah. and they have had very low deaths, better than any country, uh, uh, major country like that. Did fine. Uh, look at everybody points to Sweden. Sweden's another great example. Sweden did fine. Uh, but you bring these things up to the politicians who are doing this, and that they just suddenly can't hear you anymore. It uh, what? Why? You tell me. So you're telling me that uh, we're probably not testing enough. And if we test enough, we'll find what. No, we're no, no. Oh, no, no. You're testing fine. You're doing the right thing. No, no. I mean, to, to I mean, what I'm saying is why we're seeing such an amazing result in Australia and New Zealand. It's simply that we're not going crazy with testing. And if we did, we would find more infections. Don't forget, you can look at some African countries, too. A lot of African countries have very low seeming uh, infection rates. Now, the measurement problems in some countries in Africa, they're just not as uh, equipped to do testing as well, uh, perhaps, uh, or as accurately. But you look at some of the countries, they do absolutely wonderfully. So there, there's differences in population all throughout uh, Asia. The North Asians uh, are doing well. And uh, in America, people are doing less. But there's, there are different genetic populations, too. Mm. We're all supposed to believe everybody's equal now in every possible way. So maybe that is leading some of this thought. But uh, different populations are going to react to this virus in a different way. It's just the way it is. And it's not going to be absolutely uniform everywhere. So what Can't is my about that? OK, so what is my strongest argument against the people here, which is the, unfortunately the majority who say, Jacinda, who we just voted in with the thumping majority in New Zealand, yeah. Queensland did yeah. the same. We're about to revote in Dan Andrews in Victoria in a year from now. Yeah. Yeah. What do we? Yeah. How do I argue with them when they're saying, "Look, they did it. They did it. They succeeded. They squashed Corona with a lockdown." They didn't. Uh, they just didn't test. And uh, I, the, the, you can't you can't disprove it, right? But the lockdowns didn't work anywhere else. The lockdowns spread the virus everywhere else. Uh, right. So why were you guys different? Just the infection was different there. That's all.
That's okay. all you can say. I don't have enough information to look at. There's already mutations of this thing out there. What mutations are predominant uh, in mm. New Zealand, Australia? I don't know. I haven't. Nobody's done those studies yet to be able to to tell us these kind of statistics. The populations are genetically different uh, to some extent. Uh, well, how much does that play a role? Uh, the weather is different. Uh, the, the, the places in America, for instance, that did worse and England did worse is lousy weather. Uh, right. In the northeast in America, in the wintertime, there's very little sun. Uh, so vitamin D rates or production rates are lower and uh, it's a very prominent cold and flu season. So you guys have a lot more sunshine. Mm. Uh, all of these things come into play. You know, why, why did, uh, why did the, if, if people are insisting lockdowns work so well there, why did uh, lockdowns not work everywhere? It doesn't fit. Mm. Because in the, in, even in America, we had eight states that did not lock down. Yeah. And they did better. So, they did better. Wow. In terms, like North Dakota, South Dakota, populations are different. They, uh, they're, they're, more, they're more spread out. You know, there are fewer people who live in these states and uh, behavior is different. You know, there's all these things that come into play. Uh, but so they did fine. So the ones that did the, the most draconian lockdowns were the ones yeah. that end up doing the worst because it just spreads bugs. And you, so there you are. Do you find people often lose their brains when it comes to statistics? Is this a normal thing for people to not look at the hard facts? Well, the look. Yeah, but uh, most people are, aren't equipped to think about these things because they shouldn't have to, and they don't, and they're not doing it routinely, and they and they parrot whatever they hear on the news. Right. All right, the, the news is the most dangerous thing that uh, that's out there. It's misinformation, disinformation, hyperbole, exaggerations, omissions being the largest thing. No, no possibility of any kind of perspective on this kind of stuff. And they hear this stuff. These are authorities. The government's also quoting the same thing. Hmm. And so they think, okay, this has to be right. And then when you present them with uh, the actual official numbers behind the scenes and stuff, they doubt. Hmm. They think you're trying to kill them or something. I've had people say that. You're trying to kill people. If people listen to you, more are going to die. Well, I don't get anything out of this. I'm not making any money off this. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, so it's really, in the end, the responsibility of our officials, uh, and most of them have let us down very, very badly. They don't have guts. Uh, they don't have enough uh, uh, courage to say, look, there's not much we can do about this. I'm sorry that people are dying. It's a terrible thing, uh, but people always are going to die. Uh, let's just try to be cautious with our most vulnerable and wait for a vaccine, which won't cure everything. It'll just help a little bit. And we have to get on with things. Hmm. Who, who wants to say that? Because then the very next time some, somebody dies, uh, the next day, or even that day later in the day, the media, the, the politician kills responsible for this death. And there you go. So we have this lack of courage. Lack of courage. Is there any leader around the world you think he's doing a good job on that front? Looking sure. Uh, Japan's Abe before he retired, and I forgot the new guy's Taiwan. Uh, name. Taiwan. Taiwan's doing great. Uh, okay. Their Sweden, leader yeah. uh, Tsai Ing-wen uh, did fine. Uh, Sweden uh, uh, did fine. Uh, other countries that did not lock down did fine. We did an analysis uh, of looking at all the countries that had lockdowns. And looking at their death rates per million of yeah. the, of the bug, 
versus those that did. And they just plot up the numbers. There you go. I have. To, I think I have to redo it because uh, I haven't done it, redone it in a while. But uh, back then, yeah, it was the same. Lockdowns didn't show any benefit whatsoever. I, I can't expect that they'd show any benefit now either. Is there? A, That's up to the first range of lockdowns. Right. Do you publish this publicly? Is there a website that we can go to? Well, I have uh, at wmbriggs.com. You could look at all this. I have. I do a weekly update on all these numbers. I, I basically do it mostly from America and occasionally yeah. for England because they're the ones who seem to be the most uh, rabid about their their lockdown policies. I've done a few Australia. Hmm. Uh, I should do more. If, if you if anybody knows uh, good number sources for Australia, send them my way and I, I will do them. We also have the book, uh, the, uh, the Price of Panic, in which uh, we lay all these arguments out. I do most of the stats. Uh, Doug Axe, he's our biologist. He does most of the virology, virus stuff, but also the numbers. And Jay Richards uh, does most of the social uh, economic sort of uh, discussion. Uh, we, we really look into how this, we call it a tyranny of experts, mm. turn an ordinary pandemic into a panic. And so that's exactly what we have, a tyranny of experts. And, and that's what we're try trying to hope to avoid another time because we're going to get another one of these. It's only a matter of time. And we can't keep doing this every time. It's just, it's crazy. Uh, you would remember in university or what you call college, uh, studying the, the whole idea of technocrats, right? Replacing the democratic rule with a technocrat rule. That certainly seems to be happening right now. Yeah, uh, the man, the managerial state, I think is what Burnham called it. That's absolutely what's happening. Uh, the, the harsher way to say it is uh, rule by midwits who, who rely entirely on uh, uh, argument by authority. Well, this guy has got a credential and he is employed by government. Therefore, we must listen to him. I you haven't know, even asked you hear yet what your credentials are. <laughs> oh, my training is uh, I have a PhD in uh, mathematical statistics from Cornell. I was a, a, a professor at the Cornell Med School, biostatistics, uh, taught statistics. Uh, I was also a meteorologist. I, my, my master's wow. degree is in atmospheric physics, bachelor's is in meteorology. Uh, I did cryptography for the Air Force. Wow. Uh, so I'm acquainted with numbers for a while See, now, now. Now I can trust you, Matt, because- <laughs> Yeah, now you can trust me. That's exactly right. Don't trust me. I, I, on my side, I post links to all of the data that anybody can go and do these things for themselves. You have to let people do it for themselves. Some people are willing to be convinced, but too many others are just too scared and they don't want to look. They just, they're, uh, I get frustrated talking about this stuff. All right. Well, we can talk about something else. Do you do, you, uh, do stats on other things besides COVID? I assume you do climate change. Oh yeah, yeah. Climate change, uh, atmospheric ammonia, air pollution, PM two point five, all this kind of thing. Uh, energy statistics, oh, all uh, kind of things. So, in a macro sense, yeah, are things. you what trends are you seeing in the world today? What's changing that we should be aware of? An increase in scientism. Ooh, what is that? <laughs> what is that? A scientism. Scientism is the belief that uh, it's it's kind of like extending our. Ex discussion of the managerial state. Scientism yeah. is the idea that science has the answer to all questions. Doesn't it? As long as we can find uh, it does not, absolutely does not. Science can answer no moral questions. Science can oh, answer moral. no ethical yeah. questions. 
Right. Science can tell you, never tell you what policy decision is best. Uh, this is, these are all outside of science's purview. But we see everywhere, not just in the corona doom crisis, but in global warming and sustainability and the so-called great reset that they want to build off this stuff, yeah. of people saying, uh, listen to the science. We believe the science. We believe scientists. Sorry, scientists don't have answers to any of these questions. Of course, individual scientists have opinions on all these questions, mm. just as I do, just as any, anybody does. But that doesn't make our opinions necessarily better. Uh, a politician is supposed to be a person who knows uh, behavior of his people better than anything else. And he takes input from a scientist. He can ask a scientist, what would happen if I do this? What do you think is the uncertainty of that? What do you think would happen if I do this? After that point, that's it. The scientist is out of it. So we can't promote these people like doctors or uh, uh, you know, to come on TV and say, here's what we're going to do. We have in America a guy named Fauci who oh, says yeah. we're never going to be able to shake hands ever again. Even after this a vaccine. Yeah. Yeah. Even after a vaccine. This is, this is ridiculous. This is, a, so this is the science? No. They, they, you know, scientism is uh, increasingly being used to, to, to manipulate us into thinking that scientists are these religious-like cast yeah. of beings who are perfectly objective and indifferent to all of the things, which nothing could be farther than the truth. Scientists are backbiting, backstabbing, horrible people, opinionated. They're smart people, and so they believe what they're saying is true more than people who don't know things are saying is true and they and they are extraordinarily more reluctant than the average guy to admit error mm. uh, we're terrible people but we're also you know you, you but it's not to say you should never listen to us but uh who was it what's was it wasn't paulie was it but uh, who said that science advances one funeral at a time and so it's a very famous quote it wasn't paulie it was uh ah Another famous physicist, my mind is blanking on it at the moment. Anybody could look it up. So we, we, scientism is everywhere, and it's part, part and parcel with this growth of the managerial state where we just, it's rank credentialism, uh, where, where the science is whatever the politician happens to say it is, and there's no dissent allowed. And you've seen this. Any dissent is called a denier or a yes, denial, yes, yes. and that's crazy. I mean, I'm shocked by, obviously, beware of the Great Barrington Declaration. And we have some scientists coming out here who, heads of epidemiology, you know, distinguished professors like yourself, saying this is not right. And yet our government just says, well, that's not the science. I'm like, hang on, why is your science, which they won't reveal, by the way, they won't give us. Of course. Public. Of course. So has this captured... I am one of the signers of that. I am one of the signers of that declaration. Yes, hey. I am. So, yeah, yeah. Thank you for, for doing the that. same reason. So their science is the science because they have the official title. This is just appeal to authority. It's the one of the oldest fallacies that there is. But yeah, they don't even have, policy. Yeah, but they don't even have the title. Like these people signing the GB declaration and the others coming out often have higher titles than our public health officials. They simply say we are the the this a statist mindset. We are the the public health office which is garbage. If you look at their resumes and what they've actually contributed to science, they've, they've done PhDs in dog theory and stuff. It's a joke. And now they're making us wear masks compulsorily. It's unbelievable. 
Can I ask? Yeah, masks after it's kind of funny in 2017, as probably everybody remembers, was the Spanish flu, which killed 50 some million people around the planet. Uh, A lot of it, iatrogenic deaths, uh, you know, caused by physician malpractice, all kind of idiocies like overdosing, massive overdoses on aspirin and all kind of things, whatever. But in 2018 came a paper from a prominent medical journal saying, you know, we'll have to revisit our idea that masks uh, prevent transmission of disease. They did not appear to work <laughs> during this pandemic. So mm. we've known for 100 years. There's yeah. been, I don't even know how many studies. There, there must have been 50 studies more. Uh, and one, the Danish one, was finally published uh, yesterday or the day before. Uh, masks in the general public do not work. They do not prevent the transmission of disease. And masks can even cause harm, uh, particularly cloth masks. There was a 2016, I think it was, 15 British medical journal paper. It's plausible. You have a cloth mask you put over your face. It, uh, you breathe in it, it catches the particles of uh, moisture, yep. which acts as kind of a barrier. You can suck air in and particles in, but then they get kind of trapped. And so you recirculate, uh, you recirculate whatever bugs that you have, and you increase the chance of infections. So we're causing more harm by our policies than we're curing. But masks are an extraordinarily visible means yes. that you are following orders. Aha, that it. guy has listened to me. So they know. Yeah, we've had a, an increase in staph infections around the mouth here in Victoria because of that. But you're right about virtue signaling. I was working with a police officer the other day. Police. These are the people who enforce the mask mandate and fine you. We weren't wearing masks. We weren't wearing masks. And two ladies confronted us and started verbally abusing us. Police officer with me. Police officer with me. The guy said, I'm a police officer. And she said, doesn't matter. doesn't matter. You should be wearing a mask. People are losing their minds. That's it. They, they, they made a religion out of it. It's a cult, the cult of the mask. Do, do people not remember that we have immune systems? What did we do before 2020? I mean, it, there's no there's no sense to this. And, and we have these we and you have people saying, you know, some of these so-called experts, you're never going to take a mask up. Not the, you're going to have to wear it all through 2021. Why? They, they already know how many people are going to die. The models on which they relied on their first forecast were abysmal failures. How do they happen to know how many are going to die in the future? It's just nonsense. It's nonsense everywhere. And uh, how do we get out of it? We get out of this by something else distracting us everybody enough uh, that we would uh, move on to something else but it didn't happen i mean the election was tumultuous and it's it's uh, yeah. the political battle is still occurring but it doesn't seem to have uh provided enough distraction that we that we can't talk about something else we don't have strong voices like yours here in australia speaking out like that <sighs> i don't know why uh, australians are, are you know historically <laughs> Very anti-authoritarian. I don't understand why that you don't have anybody. Uh, my favorite, my favorite uh, secular philosopher of all time is David Stowe, who was Australian. He, he's deceased. He died, oh, 20 years ago now or something. But uh, was it University of Sydney? I think he was at University of Sydney. I won't swear to that. But this so, yeah, great- you, guys, you used to have lots of them. Well, this is the great tragedy for me is being shocked at how much Australians and New Zealanders have rolled over and said, yes, bring it on, dictator Dan, we love it. I know. I know. 
I don't I don't understand that. I you you would know, but you're on the ground. I can't tell you why people are doing that there. Uh, I, I, it's, it's happening there in the process. U.S. Minog, Kenneth, Kenneth Minog, he was another one. He died too. Maybe all your good guys are all gone now. <laughs> they did. <laughs> so, so yeah, all, all the all the rebels. I've got to ask this in the U.S. because you have such a strong libertarian streak, and you know, it's built into your constitution. This self agency type stuff we don't have. We're a bunch of convicts. Do do, do you see a, a pushback happening on a large scale? I mean, the fact that half your country voted for Trump, I'm hoping that half is also saying, "Hey, hey, hey, stop this stuff, this craziness." Well, like I say, we have some states uh, that never locked down. Uh, some states that did and now said they're not going to do it again, like Texas and Florida uh, said no way, and they removed all mask mandates and things like this. In Michigan, they have a tyrannical governor, governess uh, who seems to be ruling by vindiction more than anything else. And they have uh, the state legislature is finally moving to try to impeach her, whether that works or not, I don't know. But it's indicative of the, the change in attitudes. This stuff just can't go on forever. Uh, whether it succeeds, it depends on whether Trump pulls this out uh, or, or Biden takes the office, uh, who has promised a national lockdown in perpetuity. So who knows? What, what about know. we the... need more? You guys need more. We need more civil disobedience. Hey, I've been calling for that. What about the people on the street, the conversations you're having? What are, the, what are you noticing there? Are people, oh, are people frightened? Frightened. Most people are frightened. They wear their masks. They, uh, I don't, and so they move away from you. Yeah, a lot of them. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they're sure. That's the whole thing about these dumb masks. Is there? Everybody assumes everybody's got this thing, and it's just yeah, lingering yeah. in the air like radiation or something. And so, okay. it's just irrational. It's just irrationality. Uh, you know, the only time people forget about it is when they go to the streets and riot and loot and have all kind of mayhem like uh, the Antifa and uh, black yeah. lunatics marauders yeah. did uh, in the summer. So so ha has the scientific establishment been captured by this as well? Because I feel like when you actually talk to scientists, they don't, well, in my opinion, they, they aren't so science. The scientism thing isn't there. They say, no, science is about debate and rigorous and testing ideas and falsifying things and whatever. But have they been captured or is it just the politicians? As David Berlinski once said in an interview, uh, a, math, a mathematician philosopher people could look up, he said, what you just said there, scientists always say it's about the method debate and correction, you know, camaraderie. He said, that's okay for a PBS special, but that's not how scientists actually are. Scientists get into clicks just like anybody else. You know, you, you journals get into the, the clicks, they get into... Uh, you know, you control the funding, but it's all the people uh, that do the grant uh, awarding are the same people you know who are doing the journals and the same people you know from down the hall, that kind of thing. And so scientists, they, they work themselves into these corners, and uh, that's why it takes funerals to get them out of them. Yeah. Uh, major changes, uh, abrupt changes to bring them to, bring them to something else. Uh, pretty much every major scientific advance, not everyone, but a lot of them, uh, scientific real advancement jump came with uh, dismissals, uh, you know, and, uh, from the from the from the consensus holders at the time, right. from the uh, you know plate tectonics to washing hands yeah. to, to the Big Bang to pretty much everything. I have a whole list of them somewhere. Uh, so you can't 
scientists that just defend their territory and even more voraciously than that ordinary person was because uh, maybe there's so much less to hold. It's all, you know, it's all in their heads, so they have nothing else to do but hold on to these ideas. So no, scientists, a lot of the scientists are, are on the right side of this question too, but they're being shouted down. And a lot of them are being are afraid to, to speak up because their names are going to be put on a list. In America, we even have some people saying we have a list. They're, they're announcing that they have a list of people who are supportive of Trump it's and of some of these policies. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Jennifer Rubin and uh, uh, people who were prominent Democrats, yeah, the Trump Accountability Project and things like this. So, of course, people don't want to speak up. Why should they? You know, they're just going to try to ride it out. But if everybody does that, then we're going to just ride it out forever. So what what can we trust? I mean, have you seen the parody account where Galileo tweets that uh, he has evidence yeah. that the universe is actually heliocentric, not geocentric, and then there's a Twitter fact check that says a majority of scientists agree <laughs> that the world is geocentric? That's it. I, so how long did it take uh, for that? I, you know, that's a whole other story, but we'll take it as read. But, uh, you know, views change slowly. These paradigm shifts and everything, they happen very slowly. They don't, you know, there's an abrupt change in some people's views, but uh, and now when everything is so interconnected, uh, and I don't mean in a conspiratorial sense, I just mean we're all, look at me, we're, we're here, here we are talking from all across the world on this mm -hmm. Zoom thing, uh, whereas, you know, 10 years ago when we had the last pandemic in 2009, uh, we never could have done it, all right? And so the, they tried to do the, the panic. If you go back and look at the headlines, the same Ferguson from his Imperial College uh, in, in London tried to get a panic going by over-forecasting numbers of death. It was gearing up a little bit, and maybe about uh, as many as 600,000 people across the world died from that pandemic. But uh, it didn't really get it. There wasn't enough social media at the time. There was no, uh, no real connections. There was no, uh, what do you call it, Instagram, no Snapchat, none of these other, WeChat and all of these others didn't exist yet, but now everything is instantaneous. This is the first bug we've had that we get uh, day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute updates, and it they circulate in a flash across the globe. So it's that interconnectedness that's the difference here, I think. So where do we go for good information, considering we can't trust the fact checkers and all that, and the main platforms are- You, you can know, you know I, I find that so far, the, app, the, the government websites in charge of doing medical statistics uh, seem to have done a reasonable job. The uh, Office of uh, National Statistics in England, they seem to have done a, a reasonable job. The CDC in America seems to have done a reasonable job. I don't know what the comparable outfit in Australia is, but I'm, I imagine they were doing a good job. It's all there. It's just that it's not being, this is what we talked about earlier. The, the biggest sin that uh, the media and governments have is the sin of omission. They're just right. not telling you these things. They're not putting any of this into perspective. So it's not necessarily wrong. We could even accept the idea that infections are cases. Oh, we have all these cases. But put it put into perspective, it's not worrisome. But they okay, don't, so, nobody okay. wants to do that. So you can look up your official statistics. Look yes. up your official, whatever it's called in Australia. Look them up. Do a plot yourself. Look and say, oh, yeah. you know what? It's not that bad. Yeah, that would be, for the Aussies listening, that would be your state health department, like the Department of Health and Human Services in uh, Victoria and so on. So you're saying it's not so much those stats, it's the layer on top, it's the conversation on top that we need to fix, which is what we're doing here right now. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Okay. That's the key. 
the how, more people we get out and unpanic, the better we'll do. And how are you finding your success trying to do that in the US? Are you turning the culture? Dismal. Dismal. I despair. Uh, it, we seem to have picked up ground in the summer. And I was sort of hopeful because uh, the headlines were diminishing on this thing. Uh, but it was just because it was summer. The virus had, uh, the initial surge of the virus had come and uh, killed the people it killed. Sounds heartless, but it's just, it's just a number. I can't do anything about numbers. And then, and then, and then summer came and people got outside finally. They started traveling a bit. And like every year, the virus, the viral death, death toll drops to a minimum. And, and then like every year, it starts October. That's the official CDC uh, start of the cold and flu season, start picking back up. And they started the panic back up again, uh, partly because of politics uh, in America because of the election. But in England, it was the same thing. And they had no outstanding political thing. Brexit was already done, so they, had, they didn't have that. But they had Johnson now scared, skittish, uh, and a little bit... Uh, uh, and the I people are buying it. The that's the, the point. That's the real problem, I think. Because the people, the they, they watch the corporate media. They watch the corporate media. They, we have to get people weaned from this. Uh, it's now, it's just terrible. It's terrible. You can't watch any sources like yours should be watched. People, uh, you know, yeah, there's a lot of, uh, you know, extreme views out there. People are calling, some people are calling this a hoax and things like this. That's not right. That's not true. I'm not saying that. But, you know, so where do you go? It's, that's very difficult. We haven't solved that problem yet. I don't know how to solve that problem. What we need are uh, newer news sources that are not tied to uh, an advertising model like, uh, like the old ones are. And I don't know. A lot of times in, uh, you see journals come out, weekly journals, and these were funded by uh, public or private sources and things like that. So we need those kinds of things to step up, particularly like what you're doing and uh, for, for the more general public. If we don't have that, we're going to continue to lose because the media, the corporate media all across the world just has far too much power. Well, it's good no news. Accountability. I mean, there's more people watching Dave Rubin than uh, CNN. And there's certainly more people watching Joe Rogan than any other network. So, you know, new media is on the rise and so thank you for coming on and doing this you know supporting oh, what we're anytime. doing yeah anytime. Right. um is there anything we missed here i feel like we've covered corona oh god covered it to death yeah i'm sorry to say <laughs> yeah. yeah do you have any predictions what's going to happen uh moving through i mean I, i've tried to make some political predictions and i've failed at all of them no. I, I thought at the very beginning, we'd never go this crazy, but we did. So don't listen to me about political predictions. No, no, no. But from statistics, can you see what's going to happen in terms of COVID? I mean, we know that the fatality rate's down compared to when it first came. So I guess now it's just going yeah. to languish at the current levels. It's going to behave yeah, like... Yeah, it's going to go down the background level, just like everything, yeah. all the other bugs that are circulating. And every year it'll peak back up in, the, yeah. in the, whatever the hemisphere's winter is. Okay. And the other stats that you're looking at in terms of economy, are you looking at economic stats as well? Uh, not so much lately. I haven't had the okay. time. Okay. All right. Because that's the real voters. other side of 
that's the other side of the coin, isn't it? it really, the, the effects we're going to see from these lockdowns are going to take a couple of years to work their way through. Jay, Jay our co-author uh, in the book, did some. Uh, it's into the trillions in America, the cost of these yeah. lockdowns. It, 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 these numbers quickly become unimaginable. Uh, you know, they're so large. And we had a stimulus package where we spent a lot of money. Everybody got, what was it, twelve, fourteen hundred dollars $1,400 in the States. And uh, that was one package. The Democrats are promising more. Uh, yeah. Where the money's going to come from, nobody knows. And all these people kicked out of work. Meanwhile, the oligarchs are, <laughs> fortunes are increasing. The stock market's doing fine because of it. The rich are getting richer, the poor, poorer. And there doesn't seem to be an end in sight for that either. But the exact numbers, the exact figures, uh, even we acknowledge in the book, we don't have yet. So we can just you know, make the standard guesses that you're already you, that you can do it yourself already okay hey i should ask william hey, why the heck did you, you choose to go into go statistics into, it seems like the most boring field in the world to me world. not that this is, it is. boring but just numbers you're and numbers absolutely and numbers. right no, no, no you're absolutely right this is i want to encourage everybody uh this most statistics are crap like you heard uh -huh. it is boring uh a lot of it's useless I started out doing uh, global warming. I was uh, going through training in, uh, for my bachelor's and master's in this kind of stuff. And I believed, like everybody else, the, the models uh, that said we were all going to die uh, by uh, 2010 or whatever it was. Uh, and so that's just the training I got. And I was thinking, wait a minute. Uh, and I suddenly discovered these models aren't doing so well. How do we, how do we tell what a good model is from a bad one? Yeah. How do you know? How can you tell? And to do that, you need statistics. And in order to do statistics, you, under, you, you need to understand what probability is. And in order to understand what probability is, you need to understand the philosophy of all this kind of stuff. So my real work is in uh, the philosophy of science and the philosophy of, uh, of probability and modeling and things like this, the, the gross limitations that we have on models. We didn't even have a chance to talk about all this kind of stuff. All the criticisms I make uh, for the stuff we talked about today can be made in every field. And so that's why when you ask me, the worst problem is, is scientism. So and that's what I kind of mean by that. So what do you make of the whole modeling phenomenon now where we're making policy decisions based on modeling how many people are going to die and so on? Is that all rubbish or is there some validity there? Mostly rubbish. Mostly rubbish. Listen, here, here's a philosophical point. And this may be difficult for people to grasp at first. Uh, every model of any kind in any field every model only says what it's told to say so we see this new study that came out uh that uh, some experts are providing that said masks work if 95 percent of the population wear a mask the the infection rate will decrease to whatever level now they said they discovered this through a study this is false they assumed it as part of their model. And then the model spit out, the model says, assume masks work. And then you run the model and it says, look, oh, masks work. That was the assumption you began with. Every model, my models, everybody's models only say what they're told to say. So you need to always look at what goes into the model. It's not garbage in, garbage out per se, although there's, that's part of it. It's the causal assumptions that we're making mm -hmm. that go into these models that we need to look at every model, every single model. And they're, 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 they're doing a two-step on you. They're saying that the model, they've made a discovery based on a model, but no, they started with this belief. 
and that's the same in every sociological paper you ever read, every educational paper, every physical paper, everywhere. And the better models are those that get the causes right. But you don't learn cause from models. You, you learn cause from uh, you know, studying this kind of thing and making uh, leaps of intuition uh, in which you make these inductive arguments that say, well, this cause has to be true because of this and that reasons. So that's a whole other philosophical, uh, a whole other philosophical argument. It's difficult, but if you just remember that all models say only what they're told to say, then you'll be okay. You'll always ask then, what what was the model told to say? So so, so modeling is okay as long as those causal assumptions, because a, a model sounds like just a, a fancy extrapolation of whatever you put in. So as long as the causal assumptions are good, we can still trust models. Yep. Absolutely. No, there's nothing wrong with modeling, per se. Absolutely. Of course, we have many models. We have models of gravity that seem to work out rather well. We have models of uh, uh, of electron flow that uh, that work, you know, that work great and produce cell phones yeah. and things like this. There's nothing wrong with models per se, but there's there's the, the idea that the the weaker the field is, the more they've pretended they've discovered something from their models, and not so the other way around. Okay, so how does the layman know whether those assumptions that go into the models are good or not? The layman? All you can do is develop some quick rules of thumb. Don't trust anything coming out of sociology, economics, education, psychology, all these kind of soft fields. Don't trust anything at first. Uh, you know, seek a second opinion before you believe right. anything coming out of these fields. Uh, for for more trustable fields that are not at, have any kind of politicization, you know, yeah, like what physics or something. Oh, physics. Uh, you know, right. You know, the various branches of physics, not all, but the various yeah. branches of physics. There's no politics there, and most of that kind of stuff is probably more trustable, because right. these guys think real hard about cause. It's all about cause in physics, and they know right. this, and they build cause in, and then look to see what's happening. So. That's there. There's no. There's no real way to know, but uh, don't any, anything that comes out of immediate distrust immediately. Uh, okay. Almost a hundred percent. Even if it's true, distrust yeah. it until you've verified it with the original source. Love it. All right. We need to all become more skeptical. Uh, Professor Absolutely. William Matt Briggs. Amazing to have you on the show. Is there anything we missed you wanted to to shout out before we go? Uh, hi, mom. Hi, Mom. All right. Price of Panic <laughs> sounds like a great book, which I'll put a link down below. Uh, Google William M. Briggs for his blog, or his website, and uh, all the best for fighting the good fight over there in the USA. Appreciate it because what you do over there affects us here. And you realize that if you can oh, yeah. fight this virus, I had an interview yesterday with a guy from a think tank, and he, he calls it. Uh, uh, I can't remember what he calls it. He, he thinks it's a disease that's infecting people's minds and they're trying to fight the disease. So it's this global global mental disease that everyone's picking up. So I feel like we're all in the same battle together. So thank you. Yep. Yeah. We certainly are.